Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harbin, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of Fans First Sports Network. I don't even know where to start with all this. I mean, we're only seconds into this show, and I got to be honest, I, I have sat here, I have a whole page of notes, I've got winners and losers in the second half of this show, and my brain just feels like, I don't even know, it kind of feels like it's a a pendulum swinging right now. And I constantly go back and forth between how I want to handle covering this respective game because there's a lot of different angles you can take. And there's really not right, there's not a right or a wrong. There's a lot of blame to go around after this game. And and I'm going to do my best to try and be, I am biased. We're all biased. I'm a fan. Like that's the whole premise of Fans First Sports Network is that we are fans first. And so we want the Steelers to win and when they don't win, it's a bummer. They get blown out. It sucks. So I'll tell you what. We're going to start with the news. We all know the 30 to 7 loss to the 49ers. It is not a victory Monday. The news is are, are really it sucks. It's it's injury it's injury related. After the game, and and if you watched the game live, you saw that there were a lot of players banged up. And it just goes to show you, you know, something I spoke with, this was off the air when I talked with Rob Stats Guerrero on Friday. If you listened to that show, you he did a great job giving you a background information on the 49ers. And he talked about how, man, the 49ers are a bruising bunch. He said they are so physical. And the I'm 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 gonna double check on this and I'll be able to back this up on Wednesday. Let's just say that teams that played the 49ers all of last year, they didn't fare well the following week. After watching the game, I kind of get what he's saying. So Cam Hayward left with a groin injury. He tried to come back, couldn't do it, couldn't go. Cam Hayward did end up sitting out the entire second half. Then you had Pat Fryermuth. If you remember, Pat Fryermuth had a pass thrown his way, He kind of had to contort his body, exposed his chest, clean hit, totally clean hit. I don't want anyone to say it's dirty. That was not a dirty hit. Shoulder to the chest. He has a chest injury, but he was able to finish the football game. So that's worth noting. Same with DeMarvin Leal. DeMarvin Leal left with what was labeled as an elbow injury. Now, Mike Tomlin, after the game in his post-game press conference, said triceps. Not sure if what's the actual injury here. But nonetheless, DeMarvin Leal was able to, to stay in the football game. Chooks Okorafor in the very end of the game left. Dan Moore had to sub over to the right side and Broderick Jones, the first round draft pick, got to play on the left side. He left with, and Mike Tomlin said he's in the concussion protocol. Just as a reminder, just because you're in the protocol doesn't mean that you have a concussion. Also should be noted, the next game the Steelers play is on Monday Night Football. Therefore, Chooks core for us like another day if he needs to work his way through the protocol, but there's no guarantee there either. The last injury, which might be the most significant, and I'm not talking about just in terms of the player that was injured, but also the injury itself was Deontay Johnson. The hamstring injury he suffered, this was not a, for instance, Cam Hayward. He has a, a groin injury. His return is questionable. This was Deontay Johnson as a hamstring injury. He's been ruled out. When you hear that, that's that's normally not a good sign. 
You can have very severe hamstring injuries. Think of think back to Akello Witherspoon last year. He had an injury in week two and never really came back from it. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Deontay Johnson, but just keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking, will Deontay Johnson play in week two, week three? This could be a multi-week thing, just so we're clear. All right, let's try to unpack this 30-7 to loss. It was ugly in all phases, and I tweeted this out. I'm not. I'm trying not to jump the gun, but I sent out a tweet, and it. it I'm not saying viral because I hate that term, but it definitely picked up some steam, and a lot of people retweeted it. And I stated how you know everyone wants to go after Matt Canada, but Kenny Pickett played awful. Now, I, some people took that as I was saying that Kenny Pickett's always been awful. No, he just had a bad game, but it was ugly in all phases, no matter what. Offense, defense, coaching, special teams, all of it. It was ugly. Anyone that watched that game knows that. So I also wanted to break this down. And I'm not going to try and steal the thunder of winners and losers. We have that coming up in the second half. But, man, the offense and defensive issues were glaring. And then you even have a situation now. Go back to last Wednesday's podcast where I asked some burning questions. And I'm not saying those answers were definitive, but we got some answers after week one. We got some answers. Let's break this down from an offensive perspective first, then we'll go to the defensive perspective. And the offensive side, I just mentioned him. Kenny Pickett struggled. He struggled mightily. And everyone, you know, again, it was bad in all phases. He didn't have a lot of time in some instances. Had some issues with the communication, and that's the next issue with the offense miscommunication you know i i listened to the post-game conversations or the interviews i should say kenny pickett went in front of the media after the game they asked him about some of the throws he's well in one particular he talked about pat frymuth he said we were just seeing things differently that's a problem that's a really big problem you've had all training camp all preseason and then two weeks to prepare for this game this team this defense How are you seeing things differently? Are the 49ers that good? Maybe. Are they disguising things? I don't know. But that's a problem. And that's something that typically can work itself out with time, with repetitions. People forget they only played five drives in the preseason as a starting offense together. But the minute miscommunication and Kenny Pickett saying they're not seeing things the same way. Well, that would explain some of the accuracy problems, folks, because let me explain what that is. That is the situation where Kenny Pickett pre-snap is reading a certain defense. The receiver, and even during the play, is reading a different defense. So let's say Kenny Pickett's reading zone, the receiver is reading man. So that means that when Kenny Pickett sees the receiver break, he's expecting them to sit in the zone. What does that mean? It means stop. You stop, you turn, you look, you catch the ball. That's how you sit in a zone. Meanwhile... The receiver is believing that it's man coverage, so they're not going to stop and sit. They're going to keep running their route to try and beat the man coverage. Wow. So what happens when one quarter, where the quarterback thinks it's zone, the receiver thinks it's man, you have a throw that looks absolutely atrocious. It looks like it's 90 miles behind the receiver. Why? He was expecting you to stop. I'm not saying it's the receiver's fault. I'm not saying it's the quarterback's fault. I'm just trying to give an illustration of what was happening on the field, and it's all based around miscommunication. 
the the no run game thing the, the Steelers remember I said balance is key I've always said that ever since I started this let's ride podcast balance in the offense is going to be important I'm not going to say paramount it's going to be important and they weren't even close to having any semblance of a running game in this contest Najieris had one big run for 24 yards that was it that was it the 49ers defense is good but we all thought that the Steelers' offensive line was upgraded to the point where they could start to impose their will on the opposition. And that still might happen. You know, last season, it took the offensive line some time to gel. That might take time again. But when you think about the play calling, too, don't think for a second my tweet that I sent out that got a lot of attention or me talking about Kenny Pickett's struggles and the miscommunication is in any way, shape, or form letting Matt Canada off the hook. I'm not. Matt Canada, and I'll talk about the the coaching staff in the second half, but Matt Canada still with some really stupid play calls, none, I I don't think none worse than Calvin Austin III being trotted out there on the second play, and it's immediately going to draw attention. Automatically, especially if you see him go in motion, they are going to be keying on number 19. So what do they do? A little pop pass. Barely, I think maybe loses some yardage, if I remember correctly. Definitely doesn't gain yardage. Predictability. He is predictable at times. That trend seems to be continuing. And then the offensive line. Yeah, the offensive line struggled. They struggled getting a push up front in the running game. They struggled in pass protection after the game. After the contest, Mason Cole was interviewed in the locker room, and they asked him, were they doing anything that you didn't expect? I was hoping to hear him say, yeah, you know, they mixed in some wrinkles. They were trying some different things. No, what was his answer? No, they didn't really do anything different. Oh, my gosh, are you serious? You knew their plan. You knew their style. You knew what they wanted to do. And yet, you just got out-executed. That's bad. That's bad. Ugly. In all phases, let's go to defense. The run defense. Or maybe I should say... What run defense? I mean, come on, seriously? Then you have the the secondary was just this mixed bag of awfulness. Minka Fitzpatrick getting, I don't even know how to describe it, on a, on a safety blitz. He does, he's one-on-one with Brock Purdy. It's the guy that's taken down Kyler Murray before his ACL injury, one-on-one in the open field. Man, just sw- swing and miss. So weird to see Minka not come up with a play like that. You see Levi Wallace getting abused left and right. Where is Joey Porter Jr.? The dude played seven snaps. Look, I'm not asking or predicting wholesale changes at any level of this team, but I do want to see some adjustments. And you can start by getting Joey Porter Jr., the 32nd overall pick, the first pick in the second round of 2023, more snaps than seven. I'm not saying he needs a start. I'm not saying Levi Wallace should be benched, but you find a way to get your young talent on the field to see what they can do. More than seven snaps. In a game that was 30-7, to well out of hand in the second half, put the rookie in like you did Nick Herbig, like you did Darnell Washington, and even like you did Broderick Jones and Keanu Benton. Get him in there and get him some flipping reps. I want to see some adjustments. 
But, you know, miscommunications were an offensive thing. We talked about that. Oh, there were more on the defense as well. Secondaries running around, guys running wide open through the secondary. You know, that's not a, wow, Kyle Shanahan is is really such a mastermind. He's a very smart offensive coach. They are very well prepared. They plan properly. They are a good team for a reason. At the same time, when you see players that wide open, I would say roughly 90% of the time, blown coverage, miscommunication. They got to figure it out. And then the tackling. Oi, the tackling. Yeah, it was bad. I mentioned Levi Wallace. I'll talk about him in the second half. It was his missed tackle with Christian McCaffrey, CMC, 65-yard scamper for a touchdown. It was just ugly in all phases. So when you think about it, it's week one. It is week one. And I have to remind myself that. And I think we all have to remind ourselves that. We wait so long for the season to finally come. We wait so long for training camp. And then the preseason comes and it's a little taste. It's not this, It's not even an appetizer. It's whatever would be before an appetizer. You're having a little snack before you leave for the restaurant. So we get there. We get to the restaurant. We're ready for the main course. And this is what we get. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, I almost said it. A crap burger. We'll put it that way. That's what we get. But strange stuff can happen in week one. You go back to last Friday when I was talking with Rob about the 49ers. You got to forget the 49ers. They lost to the Chicago Bears in week one last year. Think about that. The Cleveland Browns shellacked the Cincinnati Bengals and held them to three points. I understand the knee-jerk reaction. We all are going to have it. We're all going to live it. And the next eight days until the Browns come to Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football is going to be excruciating. Almost borderline insufferable. You go from the highest of the highs, 3-0 preseason, 5-for-5 touchdowns, everything's great, everything's good, everyone's healthy. Then you just got a drubbing in front of your home crowd, you have a bunch of injuries to deal with, and your offense looked like hot trash, and your defense was like Swiss cheese. Things Life comes at you fast, right? Yeah. So the one thing that I can't t- take away from this is that did we get some answers to the questions? Maybe not definitive answers, but let's go back and take a look. Let's go back and take a look and say, okay, what were the questions that we wanted to be answered? The burning questions. Are they an explosive group on offense? They were not an explosive group in week one. What about offense of offensive line dominance? And I said Philadelphia 2.0, not even close. And then lastly, points galore, they scored seven. They scored seven points. That's not going to help improve that 18.1 average. What about defense? Blitzburg 2.0, 3.0, whatever version we are of this new iteration of Blitzburg. No, no, no. When they rushed the passer, it was not blitzing very rarely. Uh, what about takeaway kings? No, unless your name's Trent Jordan-Watt. No, there was no takeaways. Yes, they had a takeaway, a fumble recovery, but that was it. What about some surprise contributors? No, no, no one outside of TJ Watt. It really was not really was not. And then even special teams, the questions that we asked consistency, kudos to Anthony McFarland. I thought he had a great game. Other than that big press, he was called into action a lot, not super consistent. Boswell wasn't asked to do anything big plays at big moments. No, no, they weren't. So the Steelers come in to this game 
this week one game against the San Francisco 49ers, and they are on their high horse. And it's not just them. It's the fan base. It's that city. Everyone is ready for the Steelers to come in and potentially upset a team that was in the NFC Championship game last year. I did it. I predicted them to win. The problem is, is that they were also talking about the word dominant. Yeah, some players were throwing around, that's what they want to be. That's what they think they could be as dominant. Well, they saw dominant. It just wasn't in the black and gold jerseys on Sunday. It was actually the other side of the coin. Everything but dominant happened for the Steelers. I have to remind myself this is one of 17. It does not define a season. But I'll tell you what. It sure does leave a bad taste in your mouth. If the Steelers rode in on a high horse into week one, their asses got knocked on the ground real quick. Real quick. If they were looking in the mirror thinking, oh, yeah, we're talking AFC North Championship maybe, we're talking playoffs, man, you you really think so after that game? I've I've been a coach, okay? I've always said if you've coached at the high school level or up, then you have a feel for some of these things that coaches have to go through. And I have been a part of coaching a team that gets their doors blown off. How you handle that is is not easy because it's a, it's a reflection of you as well as a coach. It's a reflection of you as a someone that's responsible for getting your team prepared. You didn't do it. Mike Tomlin owned that, but they didn't do it. So what do they do? Do they just really go after this film and just dissect it? Do they throw it away and say, forget about it? They've got a lot of work to do. So if there was a wake-up call, they just got it. But are they going to get up? We'll see. They've got a little extra time to do that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back after that break, we are going to go into the winners and losers. Not a lot of winners, and maybe not as many losers as you might think. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. fans welcome back another episode of let's ride another post game episode of let's ride and another winners and losers segment this article was on steelcurtainnetwork.com if you want to check it out but those of you that are listening to this podcast are going to get a way more detailed uh version of the winners and losers so after this 30 to 7 loss i have one winner and seven losers and you might be Thinking about this and hearing this and saying, Jeff, seven, only seven losers after that game? Are you kidding me? Well, if I were to single out every single player, if I go through an entire position group, say, well, then this could be upwards of, I don't know, 35 losers roundabout. Uh, No one has time for that. I'm trying to simplify it. I'm trying to skim it, streamline it. So that's what we're doing. One winner. Seven losers. We're going to go through all of them here. Let's start with the winner. The winner is TJ Watt. Like That's it. It's TJ Watt. Why is it TJ Watt? Based on the fact that TJ Watt, man, did that dude play 
out of his mind like he does all the time. I mean, TJ Watt, listen to this stat line. Five tackles, five of them solo, three sacks. He had a pass defense. He had a tackle for loss. He had five quarterback hits, two forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. And not to mention, he is now tied with James Harrison for the all-time sack leader in Pittsburgh Steelers history. It's remarkable. On a day where nothing went right for the Steelers, T.J. Watt, old reliable, was there doing his thing. You watch him, the guy is just so good. He's a tactician, whether it's setting the edge, rushing the passer, forcing fumbles, recovering it. He's a freak of nature. And I I just, you want to give him credit. You got to give him credit. T.J. Watt is a winner, rightfully so, and he's the only winner on a really, really crappy day. So let's go to the losers. We're going to start in the obvious spot, and it's Kenny Pickett. Kenneth Shane Pickett, stat line 31 of 46. That should tell you a lot right there. He has to throw the ball 46 times. It's not a recipe for success. 232 yards, a lot of that came in garbage time. A five-yard average. He did have a touchdown to Pat Fryermuth. Two interceptions, five sacks for 34 yards. Finishes the game with a 68.4 rating. My, how the mighty have fallen from the preseason, right? I think when you think about Kenny Pickett, there, there can be blame to go around for everyone. You can talk about the offensive line. We will. You can talk about the play calling. We will. You can talk about uh, a myriad of things, the miscommunications. We did. But when it comes down to it, you expect better. There's still a lot of people out there that are not sold on Kenny Pickett as the next quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a lot of fans out there that are still doubtful that he has all the tangibles. They might believe that he has the intangibles, the ability to drive the team down and and get the game-winning score. They believe that they have he has those, but does he have everything else? Well, those people that doubt, they are standing tall today and saying, I told you so. No one can fix that but Kenny Pickett. No one can fix it from Kenny Pickett, but this was a bad game. This was one that he's going to want to get rid of really quick. And now when I say that, meaning he's going to want to put this behind him, move forward, and hopefully next week have a better performance against Cleveland. Next loser is the offensive line. So the offensive line, you know, you have Dan Moore left tackle, Chooks Okorafor on the right side. You've got Isaac Sayamalu, who everyone says is such a huge upgrade over Kevin Dotson. Right side, you got James Daniels, who started out last year a little sluggish, picked it up by the end of the season. In the middle, Mason Cole. Well, what was the end result? The end result was that the stat line for the Steelers' offensive line, they only rushed for 41 yards on the game. They allowed five sacks. And when you're talking about San Francisco quarterback hits, total quarterback hits, they had nine. They were hitting Kenny Pickett early and often. That is not what we expect than the fan base expects when they were looking at the offensive line and thinking this group's going to be better. They might be better but they weren't in week one. Week one looked a lot like 2022 at the beginning of the season when Mitch Trubisky was running for his life and was unable to set his feet without people at his legs all the time. Offensive line's got to be better. 
They've got to open up running lanes. They've got to do a better job protecting the quarterback. Not a good start. Let's go to the next loser is the rush defense. Christian McCaffrey, him himself had 152 yards on the ground. The 49ers as a team rushed for 188 yards. I'll say that again. 188 yards is what the San Francisco offense ran for. They averaged 5.5 yards per carry. Where did things go wrong? You can start there with the defense. Everyone says, well, you know, Purdy didn't do much in the second half. He didn't have to. They had a lead. They were running it down the Steelers' throats. You have to make a team one-dimensional. The Steelers didn't even come close to that in week one, and it all stemmed from a really bad rush defense. You know, I tried to avoid singling out individual players here because, you know, TJ Watt's a winner, Kenny Pickett's a loser, but other than that, I mean, they were groups. There were individual groups that were bad. But one player that I feel like deserves to be called out for not playing well is Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace didn't get his hands on a football, and I'm not even talking about interceptions. I'm talking about a pass defense. He had some really bad missed tackles, one being the largest was Christian McCaffrey's 65-yard touchdown, where if Levi Wallace comes in, fills the hole, tackles him, it's a gain of yardage, but it's not that. Just blown assignments left and right. Levi Wallace, for a guy that everyone's like, well, how long until Joey Porter cracks the starting lineup? It might be sooner rather than later if Levi Wallace keeps this up. Next. The next loser is could be a, a bunch of different people in the secondary. I just labeled it whoever is responsible for covering Brandon Ayuk. Listen to Brandon Ayuk's stat line. Eight catches on eight targets. So before we even get to any numbers, every time Brock Purdy threw this guy the ball, he caught it. Every time, eight catches, 129 yards, a 16.1-yard average, two touchdowns, a 23-yard long. I'm sorry if the goal, maybe their goal was to just say, we're going to take Debo Samuel out of the game. We're going to take Christian McCaffrey out of the game. Well, if the goal was to take Christian McCaffrey out of the game, you failed miserably. But did anyone talk about Brandon Ayuk? I keep referencing my show Friday. I talked about him and said, this guy, I like his skill set. I think he's tremendous. He is the passing threat that scares me the most. The Steelers, if they agreed, they didn't show it by their coverage. Just atrocious. Watching that, I'm going to have nightmares about that guy running wide open down the middle of the field. The next loser is a large group, and that's the coaching staff. The coaching staff, they're losers because... We always said it. I've said it. Give Mike Tomlin two weeks to prepare, and he's going to come up with one heck of a game plan. You go back two years ago, the win in Buffalo. You go last year, win in Cincinnati. Say what you want about those wins. They found a way, and the plan at least looked remotely good at times. This did not. This did not. And if I'm being honest, this game reminded me eerily of the Philadelphia game last year where it just looked like they were so outmatched, the Steelers, that is. They were so outmatched, and it looked like the game was over before it even started. And even when the Steelers were down by 10, 14 points, 
you felt like that was some insurmountable lead that could never be, could never have been overcome at any stretch of the game. The sad thing is, is that I was right. In both instances, they got shellacked in Philly. They get shellacked at home against San Francisco. The coaching staff, they need to look themselves in the mirror and say, you know what? Yeah, we can't go out there and make the tackles. We can't make the throws, the catches, the runs, etc. But we got to get these guys better prepared. They looked, in some instances, like they were running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Miscommunication, that is reflective of coaching. From the top, Mike Tomlin, to the coordinators, down to the position coaches, all of them find their way on the losers list. And the last loser, the seventh and final, are injuries. This team is banged up. Some really key players are banged up. When you talk about a groin injury to an aging player like Cam Hayward, when you talk about the fact that Larry Ogunjobi still isn't healthy and Cam Hayward is potentially going to miss more time, when you talk about Pat Frymuth, you talk about some of these other players that are just banged up. It's early. You just hope these injuries don't linger because lingering injuries like that can absolutely derail hopes and plans for a season. But those, there you have it, folks, the seven losers, the only winner being T.J. Watt. You might have thought, wow, Jeff, you only had seven losers. When you look at this list, when I name an entire offensive line, when I talk about an entire coaching staff, when I talk about a defense that can't stop the run, there's way more than seven players technically on this list That's just how I decided to package it after such a horrible, dismal, atrocious outing. Okay, I'm I'm about done today talking about this game. Uh, On Wednesday, we'll we'll have Mike Tomlin will have spoken to the media. Actually, no, I think it's pushed back because of Monday Night Football. So by the time I saw, I have you guys, you're in. I'm in your ears on Wednesday. He'll have already spoke. He won't have spoken yet. So we'll talk about that on Friday. I will be having a guest some point this week to talk about the Browns from the Browns perspective. That's going to be a weekly feature. Will it be Wednesday, Friday? I don't know. We'll make sure we get that scheduled out. In the meantime, do your best to have a great start to the week. Just remember, it is just one week. It was ugly. It was bad. But it was just one week. If the Steelers come out. Hold serve at home on Monday Night Football against Cleveland. Beat the Browns. Now, all of a sudden, they have a little momentum going into the desert to play the Las Vegas Raiders in Week 3 and then the Houston Texans in Week 4. They can right the ship. As bad as this is, as bad as this feels, as horrible as a taste this is in your mouth, it's just just so bad. It's not over. Far from it. This is actually just beginning. Let's just hope that these feelings and the way that this team performed is not a trend. Make sure you stay tuned to Steel Curtain Network everywhere you want your Pittsburgh Steelers information, whether that's on social media, find us wherever you go at Steel Curtain Network. You can follow me on Twitter, be on the lookout for that mailbag tweet. I'm sure those are going to be fun this week. At jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I will uh, answer every single tweet live on Wednesday in the second half of the show. And you know how we finished out here, right? Be safe. Be kind and God bless. Have a great start to your week. Not a victory Monday. Not what we all hope for, but just the beginning. We'll see you on Wednesday. Goes to you.